0: Hi everyone, my name is Judith Adebill and this is Hash It Out, a podcast focusing on social justice issues. Hash It Out will be co-hosted by me, Judith Adebill, and Courtney Duff.
1: Hi, I'm Courtney. Judith and I are social justice scholars at IUPUI. We're part of a program that focuses on student-led programming for the entire IUPUI campus. We're part of the social justice education department at IUPUI through the Multicultural
0: Center. Students are selected for their commitment to social justice issues and interest in providing a welcoming place for all students at IEPUI. There are a total of 16 scholars working in seven major programming areas.
1: The Social Justice
0: Scholars is a program that focuses on student-led programming. Our current
1: programs are Democracy Plaza, Pass the Mic, Speak Out Cafe, Shop Talk,
0: Indie Immersion, and the Social Justice Symposium and of course hash it out the seventh and newest program is the podcast which intends to give all students regardless of location access to discussions about social justice at iupui you'll be able to get it on your phone or laptop near you by way of both soundcloud and itunes basically we're using hash it
1: out to take the social justice conversation to digital space focusing on the way these issues impact our communities both IEPY and the larger Indianapolis area, and extending even further out. We have a lot of topics lined up, including things like sexuality education, the history of abortion in general, and in America
0: specifically, and cultural appropriation. This is a special mini-episode to give you an idea of what the podcast is going to be about. Usually the episodes will be about 45 minutes long and have a specific content area focus. But today, we're just gonna talk about started our interest in social justice and give y'all some trivia facts that relate to our upcoming episodes. Courtney, do you wanna start by talking about how you got started in social justice?
1: Sure. So I can remember a few instances in my life where my worldview shifted to accommodate this new information that made me more social justice minded. The first one I really remember was around sixth or seventh grade. I'd always grown up with a very radical second-wave feminist mom, but I'd gotten swept up by this really vicious anti-abortion rhetoric at my middle school that focused on Christianity and slut-shaming. I made an offhand comment about abortion being immoral in front of my mom, and she set me straight immediately. It wasn't like she was berating me, but she was able to knock down all of the arguments that anti-abortion activists had told me and my friends. That was the first time I really thought critically about like the information I'd been given. And then there were a few more times throughout my teens that I came closer. I remember yelling at one of my ex's best friends for being gross about trans people. And one time I yelled at my social studies teacher for calling me a heroin addict when I was really passionate about harm reduction and needle exchanges. I really became like the token feminist at school. I think it's been a journey ever since then, aided a lot by my favorite professor, Charlie Champion Shaw, the head of the Native American and Indigenous Studies Department, who's really helped me sort through a lot of my issues and misunderstandings. But what would you say was your entry point, Judith?
0: I would say what started my interest in social justice um, would be conversations on immigration um, on TV and in my family, especially since I'm a first-generation American. I was able to see how the process of immigration happens in this country and how hard and unfair it can be. People always talk about how immigrants... Um, If they want to stay here or they come here illegally, they need to go through the legal route. But no one understands how hard it is to become a permanent resident, which is obtaining your green card, or for that matter, a citizen, or just how expensive it is. But um, as I've gotten older, immigration is still a topic that I'm passionate about, especially since I have a lot of um, familial background with that. But what I would say is my favorite passion, which, which is hard, to pick, given that I'm passionate about a lot of things. Everyone that knows me knows that I'm passionate about 500 different things at the same time. But my favorite passion would have to do with the history of abortion and the pro-birth, pro-choice discussion argument, standstill, whatever you want to call it. But that is what I'm the most passionate about. But don't get me wrong, I'm really passionate about immigration still, abortion, but also education, healthcare, and sexism, to just name a few.
1: Judith and I share some of our passion topics, but we also have a pretty neatly complementary set of focuses. There are topics that really hype me up, like indigenous rights, radical birth work, and disability justice, but we overlap in a lot of ways. We're actually both particularly passionate about abortion. So we've chosen our episode topics based on a lot of things, including those particular passions, but also what we think isn't being discussed enough or stuff that really needs to be addressed at IEPY. We don't want to give everything away right off the bat, but we thought it would be fun to give y'all some hints at our topics. Judith, do you want to try your hand at trivia?
0: Yeah, but I will tell you, I am horrible at trivia.
1: (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Sounds good. So here's the first question. How many U.S. states mandate sexuality education that's medically accurate in public school? Let me guess. Is it 25? The total is actually 13. So only 13 states require that facts be taught and not lies, and Indiana's not one of them.
0: I'm just going to say, are we really surprised Indiana's not on that list? Were you when you found out this information? Of course not.
1: I have worked in sexuality education, and the thing that always surprises me is that students are excited to get medically accurate info because they're not given it. Right. You ask me a question.
0: Fine, Courtney. Okay, how much does the average childbirth cost? And we're just solely talking about the delivery, not intervention, surgery, or postpartum care. Hmm. I'm gonna guess around five thousand dollars actually it's about ten thousand dollars that's expensive right that is expensive and that's just the delivery right right it's just giving birth why why is it ten (laughs) thousand (laughs) dollars
1: okay i've got a fun one for you what happened to the plant that the ancient greeks used for birth control okay i will bite on this what happened to it they literally used it to extinction Literally. It worked so well as a contraceptive and an abortifacient that they liked it so much that they wiped it out. It no longer exists. Seriously? Yeah. The Greeks were like, let me
0: just, you know. Yeah. They (laughs) used a plant
1: and they liked it that much. Oh Lord. Try another one.
0: Okay. This one is going to be right on the pop culture train. Which model did, did a cover shoot for a magazine where she posed disabled?
1: I swear I know this one. I remember seeing a model in, like, a wheelchair, and it was really graphic. Oh, let
0: me let me give you a hint. She's part of a very big clan that hosts a lot of reality TV shows on the E! Network channel. It's got to be Kendall Jenner. You're close. Kylie Jenner? You're right on the money. Ah,
1: okay, yeah. I remember, wasn't she in, like, a wheelchair dressed all sexy, like it was some fashion
0: accessory? Basically. Ugh. It's like... I couldn't make that look good, but still, she definitely couldn't make it look good. That's just not right. Exactly.
1: I've got one that's more positive. Who was the first Native American woman to get an electoral vote for vice president?
0: I'm sad to say, but I don't know. But what year was this? This was around the early 2000s.
1: It was actually Winona LaDuke. So she was the vice presidential candidate for the Green Party, and a faithless elector in Washington State cast his electoral vote for her ticket.
0: What exactly is a faithless elector?
1: So as we all know, because of the most recent election, the popular vote basically determines who the electors get to vote for. The Electoral College has a certain number of people involved, Mm -hmm. and a faithless elector is somebody who goes against the party that was voted by the popular vote. People were praying and hoping that that's what would happen when Trump got elected, but unfortunately it did not. Oh. (laughs) Give me one
0: more question. (laughs) What proportion of the uninsured identifies as white and non-Hispanic? I mean, that's a huge proportion of America, so I'd guess something like 75% of people? It's only 45%. And don't get me wrong, that is still a large number of people who are uninsured, um, the other 55% that are uninsured are people that are of color. That's an insane proportion. I can't believe that it's that low. It's still a
1: large amount, but still. Yeah.
0: So we're kind of over like, in, like over and done with a little trivia. Maybe we'll add some more in our future podcast. But if you're interested in learning more about the trivia we mentioned today, keep checking back for our releases. We put out an episode twice every month. Check the description of this episode for our release dates and contact information. We'll do our best to respond to any inquiries you have. Absolutely.
1: So today's mini episode was really just to get you acquainted with this platform introduce you to me and Judith, and give you a sense of what's to
0: come. Friday, September 29th, 2017, we'll be releasing our first full episode. The content will focus on reproductive justice and the doctor's role in its integrity. Keep your eye on our SoundCloud for our release, and you should be also be able to find it on iTunes soon after. Thank you for listening.